Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birkin Road Reports, Peter Raschuti. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. William Shakespeare famously wrote in his play, As You Like It, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man, in his time, plays many parts. Now, like much of Shakespeare's work, you can look at this on many levels. One interpretation is, although we each believe we are masters of our own destiny, in fact, much of our life is spent performing for others, doing what others expect of us, these days especially in our professional or work life. For some of us, life is even more complex than Shakespeare observed. If you actually are a professional performer, your serious workday world is a stage, and your work life consists of actually playing the part of fictional characters. Amy Waguspak is an actor and theater director. Amy is the founder and artistic director of Acting Up Theater Company. Acting Up is the resident professional theater company at the Acadiana Center for the Arts, the ACA. Amy, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. Now, Claire Cook is a dancer and choreographer. Claire is the artistic director of the Claire Cook Dance Theater and the founder of Basin Arts, a new dance and art space uh, here in downtown Lafayette. Claire, welcome out to lunch. Thank you so much. Now, Claire and Amy, both of you have similar histories in the performing arts. You, you both moved back to Lafayette for family and, and you were in the midst of successful careers in New York City. Presumably being successful in New York theater and dance is as difficult and competitive as it is made out to be in movies and TV. It must be tough to walk away from all that hard work that, that went into that success and from the excitement of living and performing in New York. Both of you have had to start over here in Lafayette and have carved out impressive second careers as performers and business people. What's it been like as New York theater professionals adjusting to working in Lafayette? Claire, you moved back most recently. Let's start with you. What, what have you had to adjust to? Well, uh, there's, I think there's the lack of a large community of like-minded professionals. Seemingly, that's like the, what was my biggest concern or nervousness about moving back. But then, actually, I would say I was very happily surprised to my, to meet so many creative people and so many uh, really innovative, talented theater and performers, theater makers and performers in this community that um, I just didn't know. And it was really a, a quite a treat. So, so for a small community, it has a lot of uh, There's a lot of creative power in this small community. And it's, it's really inspiring to me. And in fact, I mean, I was gone 10 years and I think in fact, the community has changed a lot in those 10 years in terms of opportunities for creativ creativity and growth. And uh, I relish in the fact that I spend my day around all people that I never knew <laughs> until I <laughs> met them a year ago. Like, it's actually, it's wonderful. It feels like a really true new creative beginning. And and Amy, what about yourself? You, uh, you came back... Uh, uh, 15 
or so years right. ago. I mean, the decision for me to come back was primarily I had a daughter who was becoming a tween and not really wanting to raise a tween as a struggling artist in New York City. And also uh, for family reasons. My father got ill, and so it, the decision to come back was easy in that way. But I think like Claire, I was unsure what I would find as far as creative stimulation or people to work with. And like Claire, very pleasantly surprised by what I did find. And I think, and Claire, you can tell me if you agree, some of it is just, especially south of I-10 <laughs> in Louisiana, right. yeah, yeah. the importance of culture, music, food, festival, that a resonance dance and theater are not foreign necessarily. The formal training or staging maybe a little bit, but there's an openness. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree that the mm -hmm. propensity to culture and the respect of culture and the, the realization that creativity as just a part of how we live, I mean, dancing and eating and drinking and singing and playing music, that's, I mean, that's just how people Live, live here, yeah. you know, so it's it's not far removed exactly from the craft of it, though you know there's some training involved, but right? Yeah. Now, when Claire came back, a lot a lot of things had changed for the for the better. Uh, Amy, when you came back, not all of this was here. What what has happened since you've returned to to the area in terms of the arts community? Wow. Um, for one, the Acadiana Center for right. the Arts, which is huge uh, with its fantastic galleries and flexible state-of-the-art, you know, 300-plus seat theater. That's a huge thing that happened. And I know theatrically, just a passion and a boom of all these little theater companies that have sprung up, where I feel like when I was first here, there used to be Lafayette Community Theater, and it had sort of disappeared. I think Abbey Players was maybe one of the steadier uh, little companies, and now there's, I, don't, I probably couldn't name them all. So there was yeah. like a little resurgence or excitement Do about you sort of all know each other? All the Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it, there's crossover. Because if I could just get you together, I think this would be really... Little, there's some crossover, and um, people come and go, move away, come back, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's some hot spots. So if you know a few people, right. <laughs> then you realize, oh, oh, well, okay. That's how that all connects. Two <laughs> degrees of separation. Yeah, exactly. Not right. six. Not yeah. six here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you, on the, on, the, on the business side of it, has it been tough? Now, Claire, you've, you actually started your own uh, group over there. What, what's it been like? Uh, and I, I take it your, your background is in theater and dance. Uh, did you have to kind of learn the business side? or? Yeah, I actually, I had a sort of a fortunate accident. When I was going to college, I went to LSU, and I was really strongly interested in majoring in dance, but LSU didn't have a major, but I was interested in leaving Lafayette because I was kind of wanting That's to get out of the from, city. Yeah. But then there was Tops, so <laughs> Tops is, there's no better deal. Yes. <laughs> so I ended up at LSU, and... Um, and I ended up majoring in public relations because what there wasn't an arts management degree at the time. And I sort of band-aided it and patched it together and said, okay, if I <laughs> substitute this class here and take this class there. So I, the department was really great. In fact, they actually just like allowed me to Kinda sub in major, a lot yeah. of like my electives to augment an arts management focus. And I didn't realize, I mean, I was always interested and I enjoyed the classes so much, but I didn't realize how valuable that would serve me later because then when I moved to New York City and I went to grad school, I started 
really working as an arts manager and a company manager and a grant writer for other people's companies very early on, and that was how I supported myself. And along the way, got the best education in managing artists and managing companies and producing creative performances and events, and, and in a, a huge market, you know? So it gave me a lot of, um, you know, in the, in the, on the job training yeah, or yeah. a skill set that has served me time and time again. And so I think it was in 2011 when I decided to start Claire Cook Dance Theater. Now, and it's so different in New York City. I mean, it's not a brick and mortar in the same way that we would think about starting a company in Lafayette, Louisiana. I mean, it was a, an entity through which to produce my own projects. And so, um, but I felt when I was ready to do that, I had so much behind me in terms I didn't feel nervous about the management side of it or the business side. That felt natural. It was more like, okay, now I have to make the work. <laughs> right, you know? action, action, yeah. Now, Amy, what about the business side on your end? I would say I had the polar opposite experience <laughs> of Claire. Um, I was teaching theater and when I decided to start my own company, had zero business experience. Since then, I've always advised students minor in business, minor in something that's going to help you learn how to manage your career or... You know, parents finance. are going to play so this have, show for their children, actually. Yes. Now, that? <laughs> um, so I learned by default. Um, I have a brother who's a CPA who's taught me a lot along the oh, way, so that helps. <laughs> but it's still the more painful side of it for me. I do it because I have to, and I've gotten fairly good at it, but I'd much rather be in the theater teaching or directing a show or being creative. But you got to keep the doubt. doors open and Absolutely. the lights on. And uh, where do the rev where does revenue come in for you guys? Where where does well for Basin Arts? It's through classes. So we've started a roster of all primarily all adult focused dance classes, oh. dance and fitness classes. So the idea being that, especially in this community, there's so many young people that dance and they take dance classes through high school and then they finish and there's no. Yeah. Where do you continue to do it? Even if you're not going to be a professional, but you just, it's your outlet, it's your expression, it's your fitness, you know? So how do you find that? So we've really enjoyed having um, the opportunity to kind of bring these, these people back to dance. And um, so that's a big revenue stream for Basin Arts. Basin, and then what about uh, the Clark other Cook part? Dance Theater, I mean, we essentially operate as a fiscally sponsored nonprofit organization. So, so donations or? Do donations, fundraising, ticket sales, I mean, with productions, but I mean, it's, we don't rely on ticket sales to necessarily pay the bills. I mean, I think it's, we partner with the Community Foundation of Acadiana. They are uh, one of our like fiscal sponsors. Okay. So when we have certain projects, we're able to fundraise and raise money through donors and grants. We've gotten uh, we've got a nice grant this year from LIDA and the ACA and ArtSpark grant. So it's just, it's a constant hustle, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but you hope that you always just can find the right words to express the the project at hand, and right. so it feels meaningful for people That's to get behind it. That's why I get this public it. relations background. See, I told you. <laughs> I remember you called me and I said, Marie, major in public relations. Yeah. They, uh, now, Amy, I'm going to ask you, um, kind of a similar question, but what about the economy in Lafayette? I mean, we've had a, you know, a downturn for a number of years here. Has it affected you? Did you see it? I've been here long enough to have seen it a couple of times. Okay. Um, during, you know, 09, we, I saw a dip in 
the number of students we had or also, or, and also the concern that parents had about being able to afford it. Um, we're definitely, I'm seeing that again right now. I have confidence that it will wave back through. Um, the other thing that I've noticed right now uh, with the flooding, I have a number of students who feel very overwhelmed because of the days missed from school and the pressure on cramming things in and homework and feeling like I can't participate in this event because of this. That will all settle down and balance out, but I, I would say we're seeing a difference right now for sure. Yeah, I think it's kind of a perfect storm in Lafayette because we have the greater economy that's a bit of a, a shaky situation. Then on top of that, we have the oil economy and then the flooding. So it's really, yeah, we actually, we were supposed to open Basin Arts the day of the flood. <laughs> so it's been a very, uh, I mean, I feel so fortunate that we were able to still move forward. And I mean, that's what you do in life. It's like, what are you going to, we have so many people dependent on so many components of this business. So we just, we moved forward a week later. But I definitely feel like there's a timidness to commit, a timidness to, uh, to say, I'll come, I'm going to try this one time, you know, but I'm, I'm nervous to commit because people still aren't in their homes. Right. A lot of people are. Now, when you're in New York, I've got to ask you this, you always, the TV shows always show people, uh, you know, waiting tables and all that. Did you, did you guys do that? I actually never did. Okay. I was always doing my little public relations. Good to see, there you go. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of other random things, <laughs> babysitting, uh, <laughs> private dance coaching for very wealthy old ladies, you know, wow. I mean, really random did stuff. Did some of them break through? Do you think it's a... No. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But for whatever reason, that's about the only thing I didn't do was wait tables. <laughs> I didn't either, really? strangely Jeez, enough. I don't know why I watched these um, movies. They're because I think we were both there primarily for grad school most of the yeah. time. I had my assistantship that also led into summer work that I could do in their main theater, similar to like the Hyman uh, Performing Arts Center. So it would carry me over through the summer. Or I'd get hired to go do a workshop in Maine right. that would, pa you know, Piece, yeah, what we do piece is constantly meal. piecemealing yeah. things together. Well, that's some business acumen right there, just stay, <laughs> staying afloat during right. the You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. My guests are Amy Wagaspak from Acting Up Theater Company and Claire Cook from the Claire Cook Dance Theater. Wait, would you recommend to a young person, I know, you know I teach finance and a lot of people tell my students, go to New York, work on Wall Street for a few years and then come home. What do you think about in, in your end of the work? I mean, you've both benefited a lot by moving away and coming back, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a complicated question. And as a when I do have students that turn to me for that as a sort of a mentor or mentee, I really try to avoid telling them what to do. I will listen and let them process and try to help them discover what the best decision for themselves might be. Um, because you just, it's, it's such an individual it really is. choice. It really is. Because I think it's, um, I highly speak in favor of expanding your horizons, whether that is moving out of Lafayette and moving to New Orleans or prioritizing going to a museum once a week. You know, like something, it can be on a small scale. So I think I always am interestingly now in a position where people are asking my opinion on that here and I'm going, 
I don't know. Oh, maybe oh, I wait, know a wait. little bit more. Maybe I am the expert. <laughs> well, <laughs> not even that, but it's like a, just a whole different community of people looking for advice. And um, I think I know personally I hugely benefited from leaving and, and the experience and the work that I was able to do in New York has constantly informed and contributed to the success that I can continue finding in my, in my field, you know? But I think that it's really an individual. It really is, and it, it benefited me because I had wanderlust. I mean, I had that adventurous spirit. And one of the things I discovered when I was living in Maine and New York was how much my work was influenced by Louisiana. Whether culture, it was my research yeah. or the way I staged plays. And I was like, wow, uh, I guess I kind of do love that place that I ran away <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, it keeps coming back um, up. Right. And, and so it benefited me. I have, I'll give an example. I have one former student who's now a full artist of her own, teaching in the Talented Theater program. She, her wanderlust happened as an army brat. Oh, and so yep. she, she had a desire to stay here and make roots here. But she's been fantastic about, on a regular basis, taking herself out of here to go take workshops in Philadelphia or New York or Chicago in the summers when she's not teaching. So I think people find the, the their right path if, yeah. if they have someone to listen to them and process. I think that's, that's right. They have, in fact, you know, whenever I meet a student, I ask them where their hometown is. If they can't answer, they're either... Um, military kids or oil kids. Those are the, the two that are just only ones that struggle with that question. They, but you know, Amy, I mentioned all the changes here, but what I didn't say was that you're a big part of the changes in the last 15 years here. Well, I, I, it makes me uncomfortable to take credit. I've been fortunate enough to find this group of people, some of whom I've been working with the entire time, who I've watched grow up from college-age students into full-blown teachers and directors themselves. So it's not, in theater and dance, it's never a one-person show. Um, I, for like our Summer Youth Shakespeare program, the reason why we're going to have our 15-year anniversary is because there's a core group of people who've been doing it from the first year that know the well-oiled machine that, well, you know. Let's talk about that well-oiled machine. Um, for people like me, I have no idea what the process is of staging a performance. I mean, where does it start? Just some people kicking around an idea for a production? Is that, what goes on? We've never been behind closed doors. This is very sneaky. It can start, I mean, in so many ways. If you're doing something like Shakespeare, I think the process would be very different than a lot of times I'm working with writers and composers to create an original piece. So that process, we are literally starting from a blank page and, and a a seed of an idea or a concept. So, I mean, it, it can very realistically and uh, conservatively take two to three years to fully develop a piece of that starts from an original idea. And once you get to that stage, the two the two kinds of productions must be somewhat similar, though. How do you how do you decide where it's going to be and who the players are going to be? Uh, well, for us, because we do have a small group of professionals that work together re regularly, we'll often ponder, um, do we have enough people to anchor roles in a major Shakespeare production? We've also developed original work when the time feels right for it. For example, after Katrina, we did a massive, I think there were 40 contributing artists that started with the 24-hour plays, developing 
stories about what it's like to, and, and, and it was about a two year evolution before it went to um, the New York Fringe Festival or before it was ready to go out of here. But with the Shakespeare, we always ask ourselves, whatever we're going to do, original or Shakespeare, why this play for this audience at this time? Why is it relevant? Who's going to care about this work? Because our job as performing artists, it's a communal experience with our audience. And hopefully we're leading them somewhere new without losing them. But that's sort of my okay. philosophy when making those decisions. I'm going to ask you, both of you, but particularly Claire, um, you'd mentioned that there's a culture of dancing here, and that, and that, that has got to make it very different. I mean, in other parts of the country, you know, dance is something maybe you do when you're young and a teenager, and then nobody does it, but that's not true here. Uh, how does that change the, the game for you guys? I think it's a, a little bit of a... On the one hand, you have that access point or that entry point. People are maybe more comfortable innately in their, in their body or their festive dancing uh, world. On the other hand, though, the challenge is to also introduce this idea of concert dance or this idea of professional dance as an art form and rely on the, the joy that people know from dance but channel sort of a new experience with dance. So it's, there are very, you, you want both to exist. You know, you want people to feel free and open to just enjoy and dance as, as humans, but you also want a community to feel like they have that professional level of expression and that artistic level of expression that dance can also bring. What about you? I mean, in terms of uh, audiences, uh, uh, you don't have to teach them. You don't have to start from zero like you would in some towns, I would think. No. I mean, I think where I've I, at times started from zero was when I was teaching at the college level and I would have students taking the required arts elective and maybe never have seen theater or dance. And so I would start with, I would give extra credit for watching a Mardi Gras parade from a performance point of view <laughs> or going to Festival International and watching it from a performance. What's the lighting? What's the staging? What are the costumes like? What are the sounds like? So that they could come back and have this, an experience they probably had before, but looking at it in a new way. Um, so I guess those are my experiences of starting from scratch. Um, yeah, they, yeah, and you know, you know you mentioned that ACA facility, by the way. I saw Lyle Lovett there and Robert O'Kane. It's the perfect size, too. It was I think so. I, it's a great facility. Yes. I mean, it's a real gem, I think, for what we do. You know? I agree. <laughs> and let me ask you about investors. Uh, do they play a part in this? Uh, um, not so much investors. Or sponsors? Or Occasionally. Like for Summer Shakespeare, we've... Um, written grants to the Jazz and Heritage Foundation to help pay for some of the salaries. And because that's covered, we're able to offer some scholarships or partial scholarships. Um, we've done crowdfunding at times. We used to write more of the like the Louisiana Division of the Arts grants, but we're doing less of that. I'm not saying that we won't. Right. Um, They're broker than we are. It's the <laughs> state. <laughs> right. Um, so... It's more sponsorships, saving. Oftentimes we don't rely on our box office, but we'll try to save it as our seed money for the next project. 
those sorts of things. But it's it's a tight, conservative little budget that we make things happen. Just the way you were listing them, it was it seemed that um, obviously you've already thought this out, but you've got a lot of different avenues to try to get the money to keep these, these things going. That, right. That is. Uh, what about you, Claire? Would it, are there outside sponsors or? Uh, yeah, I mean we. It's a little bit of a new territory for for me and for our company thus far because we just we just had our first full production in Lafayette just this year. So that was a learning curve in terms of just um, who's interested in the work and who's who's wants to get behind this type of work. You know, and you're a startup. You you should view yourself as an entrepreneur and, and well, really. <laughs> I mean, and I, I I do take that perspective because I do I think that. Um, an entry point in terms of conversation with funders is is just that perspective, is what we do in this community artistically only brings greater diversity and wealth to the community as a whole. And I will tell you from the other side that when you're trying to recruit companies to come here and people, that's all part of the package, you know, it's uh, that's, that's terrific. Here in Acadiana, we're known for music and dance, but not the kind you typically find in venues more refined than a dance hall. Claire and Lafayette, you are changing that. With the refurbishing of theaters in Eunice and Crowley and the ACA in Lafayette, we have the spaces to put on shows. Amy, your wide-ranging dramatic forays are bringing us homegrown live theater. Both of your work adds a new dimension to the Acadiana arts and entertainment scene. You're giving people the opportunity to work on a professional level in the performing arts, and you're increasing the sum happiness for the rest of us. Amy and Claire, it's been great to spend time with you. Thanks for everything you're doing, and thanks for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so Thank much, you. Peter. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Claire Cook, Artistic Director of the Claire Cook Dance Theater and the founder of Basin Arts, and Amy Wagaspak, the owner and Artistic Director of Acting Up Theater Company. You can find out more about Claire's Dance Company and Amy's Theater Company by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open Monday through Friday for lunch six nights a week for dinner and a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Ann Christian. Our theme song on Coeur Monsieur Nice Guy is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. If you want to know what we all look like, and I think that gives you a better perspective of the whole thing, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's acadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calice Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly with free parking and free Wi-Fi. Additional support comes from ABiz Magazine and AcadianaBusiness.com, the essential information source for business decision makers throughout the one Acadiana region. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. 
providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.